But I do want to go back to something that we've said before, which is there's nothing wrong with thinking small, even thinking temporary, right? So you don't have to create a podcast and commit to recording every single week. You can record in batches like we do. You can record and release your content in seasons, Mm -hmm. right? You don't have to commit to doing this thing and it being a part of your life and you sort of building or shaping your identity around it. This is really just a matter of taking advantage of this new space, this new industry, this new economy that has opened up. And again, it could be something that helps to create a simple $10,000 a year, even $5,000 a year. That's more than enough to help accelerate a debt pay down loan or debt pay down effort or to start investing a little bit more. So don't be afraid to think small. Don't be afraid to think big. Don't be afraid to think somewhere in between. Welcome to the Rich and Regular podcast presented by Success, where we explore life at the intersection of money. I'm Julian. And I'm Kirsten. And today we're talking about the creator economy. Yes. 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 I, I don't normally get this excited about topics, but this is one I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about for a variety of reasons. There's like big projects on the horizon, but it's been top of mind. We've been quoted in articles about it. We've just been thinking a lot about it. And I think also we're just really excited about a lot of the growth that we've seen uh, in the space over just the last couple of years. So we wanted to make sure we talk about it. Yeah. And I think it's still kind of widely misunderstood. Oh, yeah. I think people hear creator economy and immediately jump to, oh, you must mean influencers, yeah. right? Most people tend to think of the people who are in front of the cameras instead of the hundreds of roles and companies and platforms and tools that it requires to make something an actual viable economy versus like one popular job within it. Oh, for sure. And and again, like to be clear, this is something that I think warrants its own podcast. Like it is a massive world. Yeah. It is constantly changing. Even when we think about like the hundreds of examples that we have in our head that I think could help to really bring a point home. Like we're obviously not going to get into all of that stuff in this particular podcast, but I just think it really speaks to how huge and expansive this creator economy is. So for those of you who are like still unfamiliar with it, if you're like Kirsten said, and you immediately think about influencer, which is not a bad thing or even wrong. I just want to make sure that we are talking about it and that we are clear on what we mean when we are seeing the creator economy. So as I define it, like I did not look this up, but this is just like how I'm defining it. I think a creator is someone that creates and earns money creating content. Like I'm a huge fan of like using as few words as possible when it comes to uh, defining things because, you know, I, I just think that's helpful. So think like YouTubers or podcasters. You're literally listening to a podcast now. Uh, bloggers or any combination of all of those things. You can also think influencers. Those are people that are paid to do what they do. And some of them make a pretty good living doing it. We, as in Kirsten and I, are creators. We earn income doing it. The podcast that you're listening to right now uh, is one that we enjoy making, but in full transparency, we are paid to do it. We enjoy doing it so much and we're very clearly bullish on it to the extent that we were willing to like dump our real estate portfolio just so that we could focus and invest more on this kind of uh, work. And this really brings me back to uh, one of the stories in our book. And I'm sure I've, I've said this before. I'll say it again because I have a bit of a, a love affair with this number, this $10,000. I remember like in my last 
a year, actually it was like two or three years when I was working in corporate and I just knew I deserved this $10,000 raise. And I was like hell bent on getting it because I saw other people getting raises and getting promotions. And meanwhile, I was getting a bunch of responsibility and accountability promotions, like more work and like aim higher. And once you do that, then we'll give it to you. And I just kept getting more promises and like not enough pay. And I just got really fed up. But I do remember one of the last projects that I worked on was, you know, back then they just called it influencer marketing. And we were uh, dabbling in this uh, particular area, just trying to see what happens. And I remember as a part of our budget, we carved out, I want to say it was like $120,000 to explore what this world was about. And long story short, when I broke it down and I started looking at uh, the details, one of the influencers that we had decided to work with, we gave him $10,000 to go to a hotel with, I think he had like uh, two daughters or something like that. Go for a couple of days, enjoy, experience the property, go to the pool, go to the restaurant. And when you're done, I want you to write a blog post, post some pictures. And then when, when we were done, we sent him like even more free stuff because like, mm-hmm. we were like, oh my gosh, that went great. And so if you're listening to that and you're like, what? Like somebody got paid $10,000. By the way, this person was not a celebrity. They were an influencer, but they were paid $10,000. This was like 2016. And so I just remember thinking like, all right, the company is willing to pay this guy $10,000 to take a vacation with his daughters, but they're not willing to pay me $10,000 over the span of a year, even though I'm doing this work. So I was like, all right, you know what? There's something here. Let me at least explore it. And now I can say we've got several (laughs) $10,000 stories that we can sort of refer to. So that's my $10,000 story. And I, I would imagine if you are someone that's traditionally employed, you've got the similar frustration. So hopefully we can help unlock some of that and point you in the direction to see if maybe you can get back and get that money uh, yeah. through the creator economy. So you heard Julian's definition of a creator. And it's, I think it's worth noting that more than 50 million people across the world consider themselves to be creators. But it's debatable because no one really agrees on what the definition of a creator is. It's kind of like the definition of a writer or a runner or since this is a money podcast, an investor who defines at what point you call yourself those things. Right. There are some schools of thought who believe you are a creator, even if you don't earn money from your content, as long as you're creating it. So, for example, a lot of the creators on LinkedIn are unpaid, quote unquote, in the sense that no one is sponsoring their content, but they do it because it makes them more credible business leaders and there's some sort of incentive further along the line. There are other schools of thought who feel like revenue is the thing that separates a creator from just a standard user of a platform, right? Yeah, it's the, it's the uh, are you a business owner or are you a hobbyist? Argument? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Either way, for the purposes of this episode, we'll focus on those who are able or willing or have a desire to monetize either through ads or sponsored content or some other means, but just know that like, this is one version of the creator path and it's not the only one. Yeah. So a couple of notes about the creator economy. It's really just an extension or a continuation of a couple of side effects from having this global internet. The first of which is personal branding, which I'm sure all of you have heard of. And personal branding really took off when the internet kind of started. But it refers to this kind of intentional and conscious shaping of your quote unquote image to make you appear more credible or authoritative in some 
way, shape, or form. And then the other kind of place that it spun off from was chat rooms and eventually what became social networks. So before, you know, pre-internet days, your network consisted of the people who you had immediate access to, either geographically or through, you know, your existing friends and family. But when chat rooms and eventually social networks were created, people could connect and meet with other people from all over the world from the comforts of their home. Yes, there were still seminars and conferences, but the internet just kind of allowed people to connect across the world kind of instantly. And it's continued to expand since the days of kind of logging into your AOL chat room. It's expanded into new platforms, virtual reality, and the metaverse. You know what I mean? Like, I remember in pre-social media days, if you wanted to be influential, you either had to write a book, you had to film a commercial, like one of them commercials that came on late at night where you're just kind of explaining what you do, or you had to rent a hotel ballroom and advertise your services on the radio or like some combination of the three. But now all of that has changed. If you spend six to eight months just really diving in on the right topic, you can really establish yourself as an expert. Thank you to the algorithms and (laughs) the way that the internet works now. All I know is the moment you said chat rooms, it made me think, like I went all the way back. I remember, (laughs) I was like really thinking about like using an Age sex location. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I I remember getting the free minutes of AOL CDs in the mail and pumping that thing in and college club was the first yes uh, i was about to ask if you remember i didn't want to go into it but (laughs) collegeclub.com and and i will say every now and then i go back i was like it's still around because you never know Mm -hmm. like is it still around like i don't Mm -hmm. know but anyway sorry to everyone that i've ever met in a chat room (laughs) on collegeclub.com okay so let's get back on track let's jump in uh, now that we have loosely defined what a creator is uh, I do want to talk a little bit about earning potential but first I want to talk about like how complex this can all be and so I understand why most people might just ignore it but we're, hopefully we can round that out a little bit so since you're listening to a podcast we're just going to focus and talk just about podcasts just for a little bit and talk about how you can earn income as a podcaster so I'm obviously going to speed pass through this, but first there's creating the podcast, right? You've got a podcast, you create it, then you distribute that podcast, which basically means you've created this show, this podcast. How do you get it out to the different people who prefer to listen to it on different platforms? Some people are diehard Apple folks. Some people are Android users, and there's literally dozens of others that are out there, but those are two of the biggest ones. Stitcher, Spotify, you name it. And then obviously after that, your goal is to do everything that you can to promote and grow your audience. But in terms of earning income, right, one of the biggest ways that you can do that is to essentially plug into what's called an advertisement network and get paid by what are called impressions. So essentially, uh, you take that podcast, you leverage in uh, a network, which is really just like a program that you sign up for that says, yes, I agree to have advertisements played or sort of interwoven into my particular podcast. And based on the number of people that are listening to it, you get paid a percentage of that. Same thing happens on the internet. This is really just like an audio version of that. You can take it a step further. And a lot of people do this. In fact, you may have even heard us do this, but the hosts of the show can actually read advertisements. And so there may be a company or a brand that says, hey, we think that your audience aligns very much with the users of our product or our service. We'll pay you X amount of money to read this advertisement. Tell me what you might read or Hey, can you read this or can you take this script and kind of make it your own? 
when you're done with that, uh, you can take it a step further. You can say, all right, that's the podcast. It's on this network. But what about all the people who don't sign up for podcasts? How do I get more people in? And this is where social media comes in. So you can take that same audio file, turn that into clips or bite-sized uh, versions of that podcast, promote that on social media like Facebook or Instagram or something like that. And you can, again, get paid for just distributing that content. Now, that's typically comes with levels of qualification and all of that stuff, but there are literal programs out there on each of those platforms that allow you to earn money just for creating and posting more and more content. Some people can take it a step further and say, all right, this is my podcast. There are some people who prefer a transcript. Uh, They want to see exactly what was said and you can create a landing page, put that on a website. You can put ads on that website and so on and so on. So the point is you create content and then you can earn content by distributing, promoting, and continuing to create that content. And the more you grow or the better you grow your audience, the more people that you're going to reach, the more money that you can earn, or the more you'll find partners who are willing to uh, pay you just to be associated with your particular platform. There's a website called Riverside uh, or Riverside.fm. It's one of the most popular podcasting platforms out there. And they did a survey and basically they um, uncovered that podcasters can possibly earn somewhere around $300, upwards of $5,000 per episode with 10,000 downloads. So obviously that's a big range, right? (laughs) So it's like, all right, well, you know, this is what's possible. And if we're being honest, quite honestly, there are people who earn significantly more than $5,000. But just to give someone out there a bit of an idea who might have been thinking about this, but unclear about how much they might be able to learn. That is, I would say, realistic based on what we've heard uh, and also based on our own experience in terms of what is actually uh, available. So if you're out there and you're thinking about a podcast, maybe that was the number or those were the numbers that you needed to hear to say, you know what, maybe I do want to go ahead and launch. Right. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) Now, if you zoom out of podcasts as a as a category and kind of look at creators as a whole, the story is a little different, but still enticing now. Keep in mind that as a whole, creators are a new type of labor in an emerging type of work that didn't exist before. So when we talk about the future and most of the jobs being things that don't exist currently, like know that creator will likely be in that category. This kind of thing has really only been around for about 10 years. So compensation practices, benefits, benchmarking, and just generally speaking, the data that's available is kind of lacking even though it is the fastest type of small business that's growing right now. So according to marketingbrew.com, only 4.3% of creators make over $100,000 a year. This was based on a survey of about 1,700 creators who are kind of users of their platform and their services. In our own experience, that's pretty accurate, especially if you're defining creator within that narrow context of makes money directly from their content. And it's actually not bad given that, again, creators are the newest generation of entrepreneurs. And these numbers kind of track with standard small business revenues. The average small business owner earns about $71,000 a year and only about 14% make more than $100,000 a year. So 4% of creators and 14% of small business owners, it's, you know, it's on par given that one is fairly new. Yeah. Now, in the spirit of transparency, I can say that we've been among this upper echelon tier of high earning creators (laughs) 
for for a couple years now. I'm not bragging, but I'm just saying we've been doing this for quite some time. And if we didn't enjoy it and didn't see that it was lucrative, we probably would spend less time on it and kind of apply our skills to areas that were more profitable. But this also makes me think of our experience as real estate investors And it's interesting timing here because Business Insider just profiled us in a recent article where we spoke about why we ultimately gave up our real estate portfolio. And then we also spoke about it on the Morning Star Longview podcast, which was released a few weeks ago. But just looking at one of our properties, we were earning a couple hundred dollars a month in profit, which is cool and completely normal for real estate investing. But the process to acquire that asset was tedious and it wasn't nearly as easy to earn more from just that one asset. It's not like you can just, you know, decide to double the rent (laughs) that you charge and still have like, you can, but typically you're bound by a lease agreement. You have to give a notice it, you get pushback, you get vacancies. I think even some cities are placing caps, right? They're looking to have like legislation in place that really force people to say, Hey, you can't really increase it over here uh, beyond this percentage. And, It's complicated. It is. It is. But when you're talking about a digital product or content, there's a number of things that you can do to kind of create new assets or even justify rate increases on your existing assets. And we've done both of those things consistently over the last few years. So going back to that survey, one of the other findings that was in it was that over half of the creators surveyed admitted to raising their rates over the last six months. Mm. And I doubt you would get that kind of result if you interviewed a bunch of real estate investors. Like how many of you were able to increase rates over the last six months? I doubt you'd get yeah. half the people saying yes. Yeah. I'm really glad you you brought that up because even when I reflect back on our experience as real estate investors, you know, at the time, like I was ecstatic and super proud of like earning a couple hundred dollars. Oh, even yeah. beyond that, when we had the second property, which was mortgage free and, you know, the margin on that was significantly higher because yeah. there was no debt Over on the property. I was still happy because I, I want to say we were earning like $1,100, $1,200 a month on that property. And so the combination of the two was bringing in closer to $1,500 a month. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. I understand why people love this. But again, You know, when you start to track that out over a five-year period or a 10-year period, super complicated, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, very capital intensive. Mm -hmm. You build up your reserves and then you burn those reserves because something happens. Then you repeat the process and so on. And at the same time, we were kind of building this content or multimedia, if you will, a business. And it just felt more fun and was certainly far more lucrative. So just wanted to put that in perspective because I know that there are other people out there who have properties and are thinking about it. It's okay to say, you know what, this is not nearly as sweet as you thought it was going to be. Okay. So let's switch gears for just a second. I know we spent a good bit of time talking just about podcasts, but I just want to say if you're not a podcaster and you don't want to know how to do that or how to create high-end videos, you can still be a creator and earn money doing it. So there are tons of programs that pay you to produce content. And we've spoken a little bit about it, but we'll dive in just a little bit more detail. So one of the more popular ones is YouTube's partner program. So YouTube is obviously the video search engine that is a part of Alphabet, which used to be Google, but it's a broader, larger company now. Uh, And basically you publish 
a video on YouTube if you qualify to be a part of their YouTube partner program, which is really just a matter of the size of your channel and the number of kind of watch hours, I believe, uh, that you may have accumulated over time, then you become eligible to be a part of that partner program. And it's very similar to what we were saying with podcasting, where you create content, you agree to have uh, ads interwoven throughout your particular video, and you earn a percentage of uh, income based on the number of people that watch your content or the number of people that click on it and so on and so on. The second one uh, that I would talk about is Instagram. And Instagram, like, it is a bit of a mess right now. But like the last <laughs> couple of themselves. years, they've been They're finding themselves. They're going through the awkward teenage years. For Listen, a long time. It's, this is it's the hard part of, of this being so new. Like, these companies got to go through puberty, essentially, and they redefine are. who they want to be. Instagram is like, in, in, it's a lot. Yeah. It is. You're right. It is an annoying teenager of social media program <laughs> right now, but it is competing really heavily with TikTok, which is this massive and really fast growing kind of competitor to them. And so they are basically trying to do all the things that TikTok does uh, better than them. And one of the things that they are really doing to entice people is paying them to create content. And so they are big, like really, really excited about reels and they want more people to create reels, which is basically what TikTok is all about. And they're paying people to do that. We get these bonuses all the time and say, hey, do you want to sign up for this program? You can earn upwards of $1,200 or whatever it is. And so if you are one of those people who don't know that these programs exist and you're wondering why so many people over the last six months or maybe even a year have just been obsessed about reels, well, this is why. It's because they're actually earning income doing it. Even Twitter, which don't get me started. There's a lot going on <laughs> with Twitter right now. We are obviously not going to get into that. But I remember even, I want to say it was last year or maybe it was earlier this year, they introduced the tip jar that just allowed people who were creating content that a lot of people wanted to see on Twitter to be paid by their followers, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't know, and I have no research to see how much they're actually earning. But my point is, those are people that are just tweeting, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're tweeting, people want to see more of it, and they have ability to earn income. Very similar to Instagram and YouTube. These are things that are happening right now. And so this is why we wanted to talk about it, because you can earn some pretty good um, income doing it. There are also some more formal paths to earning income as a creator. And I think one of the more popular ones is a completely different platform than I would say some of the bigger ones. And it's called Patreon. And maybe you're following someone or a creator or a musician or a comedian even that has a Patreon page and is constantly talking to people to say, hey, I'm talking to you here, but there's even more of my stuff over here on Patreon. And basically, Patreon is a subscription service. It's a different platform where you get to build a one-on-one -on -one relationship with your followers or your subscribers. And what makes it cool and unique is that you can offer different tiers of programs or offerings, rather. So you may have a tier that's low cost, easy, like $5 a month. You may have a mid tier that's maybe 15 and then a upper tier that's maybe $35. The people that are paying $35 get all of the things. They get a free, you know, webinar with you, movies, yeah, access, uh, downloadable &A, content, behind the scenes, behind photo, the scenes, like all those things footage. compared to the people who are just paying $5 and they may just get, you know, you know, the first five 
things on a, on an album or something like that, like whatever it is. But that's what makes Patreon unique is that you can basically place a value on what you offer and really reward the people that really want to follow you. There are also what I'm just going to call uh, influencer or creator hubs, which are platforms that you can join as a creator. Uh, and basically you log in and you see all of the different brands that have all of the different campaigns. And as a member or sort of person that is signed up for that particular hub, you can kind of like submit a bid and say, hey, I'd like to be a part of that campaign. I've got an idea. Here's how much I would charge for it. And you're basically working with a marketing agency that is going back to that brand and saying, hey, you want to work with this person over here? They're going to do this for $500 or $5,000. This is who they are. This is their idea. This is what it might look like. And they basically work as your intermediary. It's really, really uh, new. There are probably at this point, like hundreds of these types of hubs. They are all over the place. A couple that I looked up, and I'm not saying these are good or bad, but there literally was one called Influencer Hub, <laughs> which I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. Somebody got that URL. But there's another one called Upfluence that I believe uh, was pretty popular. But again, there are tons of them out there. I'm not saying one or the other is better. We don't really use any of them, really. We use them when a brand uh, that we're working with requires, requires us to, requires go through us them. to use Sure, yeah. sure. But they, we didn't like sign up for that particular program in the hopes that we might be introduced to that particular brand. So let's just say a quick example here. Let's say, for example, you wanted to create a subscription service on Instagram, which very similar to Patreon, you can also do where you have like us 32,000 followers, right? Now, assuming just 1% of them wanted to actually subscribe to your content and get exclusive content from us. And we charged $4.99, which I believe is the standard amount that you can earn through Instagram. We, meaning literally Kirsten and I, could earn an extra $1,596 just doing what we already do, but offering some special mm -hmm. stuff to those people on YouTube. It's a little different, but creators can earn as much as a penny to three cents per ad view, which again, sounds like literal pennies because that's what it is. It depends. But yeah, it depends. And you know, YouTube is also the second largest search engine yeah. in the world. So if you can make and some so relevant content that, you know, people are looking for, like how to fill out the student loan forgiveness form. Absolutely you're the first person to make it or you have the most compelling video and you get, you know, a hundred thousand views Absolutely. or a million views, them pennies add it up. It adds up really, really quickly. <laughs> Especially if you can throw in more than one ad at Correct. the beginning of your podcast. Correct. So you might see video. that, oh, you only get one penny to, you know, three cents per, you know, 1,000 or 10,000 or whatever the metric is. But again, when you compare that to hundreds or millions of views or multiple videos, you start to understand how literally one video might be all that you need for, let's say, the year or for a couple of months. And so found some quick research that said on average, YouTubers with 100,000 subscribers can make anywhere between $600 and $1,000 per week just through ads alone, right? Mm -hmm. So we're not talking about any other things that they may be doing where a brand or a uh, company may reach out to them and say, hey, you want to create this content and this particularly sponsored just from adding ads on the videos that they have and having the size of the audience that they do. They have the ability to earn somewhere between $600 to $1,000 per week. And on Patreon, creators with about 30,000 followers on average are earning between $315 
and $1,575 a month. Yeah. Well, one of the challenges of talking about averages and one of the critiques of the creator economy is that the majority of the revenue is kind of concentrated with the folks who have the largest followings. Yes. And we've also found that to be true. There's no real creator middle class, meaning there aren't enough creators, there aren't this critical mass of creators who are able to generate enough income to live off of creating content. You have people who have millions of followers who can do this full time. And then you have people who still work a nine to five or are supported by their partner's income and kind of are treating creating more like a side hustle than Mm -hmm. like a, a main hustle. And of course, there are the folks like us who are a bit of an outlier, but Generally speaking, it can be very difficult to find a path towards reliable, recurring income. It's not impossible, but it's certainly not instant and it's not consistent. So the good news is that as the industry matures, we're seeing brands and platforms that are becoming more aware of this and they're issuing and offering programs kind of like the ones that Julian mentioned to pay their users directly. And they're looking for different types of creators. They're looking for the mom who uh, can talk earnestly about this particular diaper brand. And she's more of a micro influencer because most of her followers are actual moms who trust her opinion. So it's changing, but of course, you know, it's, it's not there yet. Okay. So you're interested. You've heard all these numbers. You're thinking, wow, like I would much rather like create content uh, than ride for Uber or start this business or try to sell, you know, this product that you've developed, whatever it is. But how do you get started? Obviously, the short answer is, oh, you just press record. Uh, and then there it is. You know, I'm not one of those people. <laughs> we obviously prefer to kind of be thoughtful in what we do. But I also think this highlights some of the challenges uh, with the creator economy, because there is no one thing that you can or should do to do it well. I mean, there are people who do it at a really high level and they're rewarded handsomely for it. There are people that I think that create content that I think is almost cringeworthy. And it's exactly the thing that the internet was looking for (laughs) in that moment. And they turn around and made a couple hundred thousand dollars. So it's really all over the board. And so like anything else that's worthy of discussion, the right answer is it depends. If you're a podcaster, you really technically just need a mic and something to record on. It could be your phone. Where you have a mic and, and it you're could recording be your it right there. Like, it could be by your mic. <laughs> I remember mean? in the early days there were podcasters that were talking about, "Hey, I'm in my closet right now. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I'm this is the best sound recording booth that I could think of, and I'm you know learning as I go. But this is the world that we're in right now, and I think you know there's tons of tools and things that you can buy and, and you know sort of use to kind of help you to get into hitting the publish and the promote button. And similarly with video content, you technically just need to upload video, which pretty sure everyone has video of some type on their phone. And that's it. You put it out there on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. And and that is it. That's literally all you have to do. Uh, And so it's difficult, but it's also like really simple, but it's kind of not. It's like all of the above. But if you're not one of those people that just want to hit record, there are tons of people out there technically like us, uh, but actually have courses or programs that are teaching people to say, hey, if you really need instruction and you don't know where to start or you don't want to burn or waste a bunch of time, let me show you. 
Uh, and so you can go to platforms like teachable.com or thinkific, or you can simply just Google it course on podcasting. There are tons of them out there. There are, I'm sure there are free ones out there. There are paid ones out there. And I'm sure the pay scale or pay ranges are all over the place. If you're not the type of person that prefers to learn online, there are also conferences that you can attend. We literally, uh, for the last couple of years, have gone to a creator conference specifically for creators in the personal finance space uh, called FinCon. And we've enjoyed that over the years. Uh, but there are platforms just for people who want to be podcasters. There are, are, are conferences, rather, for people who just want to be podcasters or YouTubers and so on and so on. It's a massive, massive space. So regardless yeah. of how you want to learn, whether it's by yourself or you want to learn from someone who has done really, really well, or you want to learn from an entire network of people and meet either online or in person, it's literally all available. It's all up to you. Yeah, and even if your goal is not to monetize or to be a creator for the entire internet. Think about the spaces where creating and the skill sets that come with it can be handy. Yep. It can also be helpful to you as like the family documentarian. Yes. It can be helpful to you as a volunteer at your local school or with your HOA. And it can be helpful to you as an employee or a small business owner. It can make you a better presenter, a better negotiator. You learn new skills that differentiate you from your peers. Even something as simple as a newsletter that is tied to a personal brand can teach you about email marketing, marketing copy, social yeah. media, and it helps to build your authority on the internet so that, again, potential employees or potential colleagues, peer groups start to view you and your value differently. If I had developed more of the skills that I have now, back when I was traditionally employed, it would have done so many things differently for my life. And I probably would have seen faster results when it comes to my financial goals and even my professional goals, yeah. both at work and outside of it. I probably would have had a side hustle, like helping busy entrepreneurs in my local neighborhood. And I would have racked up clients because even now it's hard to find people who have the skill sets to be able to support our business, the yeah. way that it runs based on like this new creator economy. I think where to start for me boils down to generously helping people. I think creating content that helps people is the most surefire way to kind of start in the creator economy. And you really don't have to overthink this. You can focus on what you already know and speak to people who may not be used to being spoken to in these on these platforms, right? So let's say you're a real estate agent. You don't just have to speak to customers and you don't just have to speak to available housing inventory. There are tons of people in your industry that could use your content to be better at their jobs. Yep. Maybe you could create a newsletter that is specific to lenders and talk about the challenges that you're seeing and the stories that you hear from first-time homebuyers. You just keep putting that stuff out there, and before you know it, you might have a 1,000 people who are following you because they believe you're an expert and something that you've said has made them better at their jobs and has added value to their lives. So it's a win-win. Yeah, one of the things that you made me think about, and I think it's so important, is even as an employee, these skills can be valuable, right? So we're not even suggesting that people quit their jobs. Oh no, technically, like we did <laughs> to become. <laughs> well, we had already become creators before we quit. Quit. 
Correct. But here's another way you made me think about this is because I was I was working in a marketing role. And so if I had or was able to put on my resume that I've launched a platform on social media, this is what I have garnered. This is the press that we've been able to collect. This is the reach that we've been able to get on our email list or on our social media platforms combined. I remember there was a particular moment a couple of years ago when I happened to look back at how that company and how those brands and how their content was performing on social media. And ours was like five times larger than theirs, right? So yeah. imagine a world where you can say, hey, yeah, I do think that I, I can do this. Here's a very real example. Yeah. And I think it would have been helpful for me. And so again, that may not be relevant for everyone or that may not be in a marketing role, but certainly for those people who are, I think is something to think about. And technically, if you're out there as an employer, you're in a marketing role, you're marketing yourself. Yep. Bingo. So, all right, we know enough about our listeners to know that you're high achievers. So I just want to be clear before we kind of pivot to final thoughts. We are not saying you have to do all the things. Like we do all the things. <laughs> we do blogging, <laughs> podcasting, video at all levels. Uh, sometimes all of the above, all at the same time. We've written the book. Uh, we do public speaking. We do all of those things. We're not saying that you have to do all of those things. But I do want to go back to something that we've said before, which is there's nothing wrong with thinking small. And even thinking temporary, right? So you don't have to create a podcast and commit to recording every single week. You can record in batches like we do. You can record and release your content in seasons, Mm -hmm. right? You don't have to commit to doing this thing and it being a part of your life and you sort of building or shaping your identity around it. This is really just a matter of taking advantage of this new space, this new industry, this new economy that has opened up and Again, it could be something that helps to create a simple $10,000 a year, even $5,000 a year. Like That's more than enough to help accelerate a debt pay down loan or, or debt pay down effort or to start investing a little bit more. So don't be afraid to think small. Don't be afraid to think big. Don't be afraid to think somewhere in between. But I just want to make sure that we're, we're telling people that this is something that's, that's real. It certainly is and can be lucrative. Uh, and it's entirely up to you to figure out where and how you want to uh, take part in it. Perfect. So final thoughts. All right. My final thought is, well, let me just start with this. What I love about the creator economy is that it really just kind of unbundles your success and your knowledge from the attachment to an institution or a company. And it's not going anywhere. Like a survey just found out that almost 30% of American kids want to be a YouTube star when they grow up. And that is higher than the number of kids, the percentage of kids who want to be an astronaut. I remember an astronaut used to be the coolest thing. Like now it's a YouTube star. And I think as it continues to grow, people will start to talk less and less about it being this cash generating industry and more of it as like an equity building industry. Kind of like how we've been talking about it, like in this future where everything is digital, creating content becomes this new terrain for establishing ownership. And I know it sounds very futuristic and kind of wild, but it's happening right now. Gen Z already prefers to use TikTok as their search engine, which is all user-generated content. Google has already started indexing Instagram and TikTok videos in Google search. And as the world is just moving towards more compelling, visual, user-generated content, I just want everybody to remember that you have something to add. You have a perspective. There's nothing special about the people who turn on the camera like me and Julian and just say it and put it on the internet. You can add to that. So don't count yourself out. 
Yeah, my final thought. And I had something in my head, but I'm going to pivot on the last second and we'll see how this goes. But a couple of weeks ago, I don't know if you remember, I went to dinner with a bunch of fellas. Uh, We had this thing called steak night. And there was a moment in the evening where uh, it kind of went sour because one of the guys who I'm just going to go ahead and call him a little grumpy, a little (laughs) older, grumpier guy. We started talking about, I don't know how it came up, influencers and he was like saying it with like this deep sense of vitriol. Like he yeah. hated the idea. He was like influences. Oh, I can't stand them. Like what are, who are these people? And he's like, ah, oh. he was like, and I, and I was like, well, you know, think about it, you know, this blah, blah, blah. And one of the things that he said, he was like, well, by that definition, everyone's an influencer. And I was like, yeah, yeah, everyone's an influencer. Like <laughs> everyone is an influencer. Now, not everyone earns an income, not yeah. everyone earns a high income, but everyone is an influencer. And so I started telling him, I was like, even just the platform that we've created, like not only have we been able to earn income by collaborating and working with companies and brands, we've helped nonprofit organizations. We've even helped the government to help drive awareness and enrollment with really important programs, right? Mm -hmm. So by that definition, yes, everyone is an influencer, but some people are more influential and as a result can earn income doing those things. And so To give people some perspective in terms of what creators have been able to do, just aside from us. I mean, creators are getting book deals. We've gotten a book deal. Uh, Television shows. We are in the process, though it's slow, of trying to get a television show. Or we've signed multimedia contracts. Creators are getting speaking gigs. They are being offered consulting opportunities on a variety of things. Some of them are even getting, I think they're called residencies to Mm -hmm. teach at major universities. Um, And I'm talking like Ivy League schools. There are former real estate agents, and I call them former because I'm pretty sure they earn more money creating content than they do actually acting as a real estate agent right now. They are companies literally collaborating with creators to launch products in their name Mm -hmm. right now. They're being offered equity deals to do so and so on and so on. So when I say the opportunities are endless, they really, really are. But that's not what everybody should be aiming for. Obviously, everyone that's listening to this is likely not going to be able to do that. But for the handful of you that are out there, I think it's certainly worth a shot, especially if you're passionate about it. So hopefully we were able to crack the code a little bit and and, and I, I think put a bit of a stamp of validity on the creator economy. Yes. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Rich and Regular podcast presented by Success. We already know that some of y'all are budding creators now because we see every Instagram story, every tweet, every email about this podcast, and we appreciate it so much. So if you like what you heard, head on over to the Apple Ratings and Review page and create a review that has five stars on it. (laughs) We'll see y'all next week.